Hi, it's Tim. Today's episode is a chat with author VC Lancaster about her work and self-publishing. A lot of you have written in asking questions about self-publishing and Kindle, and I haven't dealt with those questions up until now because I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to that. She fortunately does, and if you're interested at all in self-publishing, how you get started, how you find an audience, what genres work well, what length you should go for, what price points you should be looking at, how to do special offers, print copies, cover design, and how to get reviews, and how much you can expect to make, this is the talk for you, my friend. You can do us both a favour by sharing this episode if you get value out of it. If you learn something, then doubtless others will too. Enjoy. Are you impressed with my stack of notebooks? I'm super impressed and I'm really impressed that they're... Are they colour-coded? They are colour-coded. This one is money and then this one is sales for each book. Holy shit, are they like... Do you? That's how you keep the... Records, yeah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm really impressed. <laughs> I I'm... prefer to do it by hand. You can download Excel spreadsheets and stuff from Amazon, but I do it by hand. That's really cool. Yeah. Okay. And in preparation for this, I've totted up how many books I've sold as of the end of March. And for all my books, it's like 11,000 copies. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> That's really cool. Okay, I'm going to... That's really exciting. Okay. Hello and welcome to Death of a Thousand Cuts, making you an awesome writer, one cut at a time. My name's Tim Clare. I am your hair suit uh, presenter, erstwhile author, and I'm still an author, and uh, nervous dad. And I am not alone today. I am here in the uh, open bunny quotes studio, closed bunny quotes. It's not a studio, it's just my house with author VC Lancaster. Hello, how are you? Hi, I'm fine, thank you. God, I feel like I go, I go into a slight fugue state when I do that intro. I mean, like <laughs> it was a thing to behold. I'm just channeling my kind of like, like yeah, US uh, drive time, like shot job. It's really not. Thank you very much for for um, coming on the show. We're going to talk about some of your books, and we're going to talk about publishing, and we're going to talk about a career as a like is the term like self-published or indie author or what would I would say self-published yeah cool okay um so anyone who's listening if you have thought about uh you know working for yourself and uh doing your books and publishing your own books online you're gonna answer some of my questions I know very little about this area which is why sort of people have been I've had lots of you have written in saying uh, can you do an episode on self-publishing? Can you talk about what it involves? And for ages, I've wanted to get Vanessa in to talk about this because I don't know anything. You do it so you're, um, if not an expert, then certainly you know your way around <laughs> the basics. I don't know anything. So I'm going to ask, with your, uh, with your permission, all the dumb questions. And uh, hopefully this is going to be, for anyone who's listening, a really good introduction into all of the questions an idiot would ask no a beginner would ask about how you get into it what's involved how you try and get your book read by people and um some of the some of the kind of like business stroke admin side of it as well yeah uh, before we go any further could you 
let the listeners know for anyone who hasn't read your work before uh what you do and uh tell us a bit about your books okay so i publish under vc lancaster i write romance novels essentially for amazon at the moment i well and i say amazon i should say kindle i suppose um at the moment my focus is sort of sci-fi romance so that does involve aliens but Ooh. i will probably be branching out in the future uh to other to not always aliens <laughs> just sometimes aliens yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm a as a, a big fan of aliens. I don't think there's anything, uh, <laughs> anything wrong with aliens, but it's it's nice to kind of dip your toe in the waters of other. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. Um, I always, I always like coming up with different cultures and different planets and different physical bodies as well. You've got to, got to uh, name the elephant in the room. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and can you? What can you tell us, like the the name of like a couple of your series? By the way, and I will at the end of the show. Um, I'm gonna I'll stick up links to uh, all of uh, Vanessa's books are in the show notes and on my website. So if you're listening to this, you can just click on the show notes in iTunes or SoundCloud and uh, get links so you can uh, get copies to read for yourself. Yep. So my first series, the first book that I ever published for myself was called Ruth's Bonded and the aliens in that were called the Gandry. So essentially Ruth is a woman who gets abducted by aliens and thrown into a holding cell with an alien. Um, these aliens are sort of um, a hybrid between humans and monkeys or gorilla types. Um, they come from a forest planet and they break out of the whole short, long story short, they break out of the holding cell and end up on his home planet and the series kind of follow them there. Mm -hmm. uh, the second series that I'm writing is called the Office Alien series. The first one in that series is called the E.T. Guy, which was always meant to be a pun on IT Guy, <laughs> uh, which I was quite pleased with, though I had a, a mixed pun. response. <laughs> um, and essentially those are office romances where the male lead just happens to be an alien. Uh, it's set 200 years in the future uh, at the Department of Extraterrestrial Immigration. Yeah, um, that's really, really. I, I, I love, I, I, I love, the, I love the pun. I definitely come down <laughs> heavily on the side. And, and and puns, puns are divisive. You just have to accept that some people they they they'll come to love it eventually. This is this is my dad's side coming out now. If you kind of work a pun long enough, eventually people will at least have a kind of like affectionate resignation towards it. Right. So, like the first thing I wanted to ask you um, is, how did you get to the? When did you get to the point when you felt like you were ready to to publish to like. Uh, put a book out there, and I'm like, what inspired it to to give you inspired you to give it a go? Because, of course, like any kind of point of uh, sharing your work, you know, even like sharing it with a group for the first time is is nerve wracking for people. But that sort of that feels like a big. You're making yourself vulnerable, right? You're putting your work out there and going like, what do people think about it? So you know, I just wonder if you could talk a bit about how you got to that point and. I like when you 
how did you get to the point where you felt ready to take the plunge? Essentially, I had a really horrible job temping. I temped in an office for two, uh, two months and it was easily the worst job I've ever had. It was horrible and I hated it. So when I got out of that, the temping contract just expired. I got out of that and I took a month off and I'd always wanted to be an author since I was a kid. And I just thought to myself, if I don't do something now, the, this horrible office job that I've just had for two months, that's going to be my whole life. And I couldn't hack it. I'm not, I've had other office jobs, which have been fine, but that one was hell. So that kind of, I took the month off just because I couldn't face doing anything. Um, and within, in that month's time, I wrote Ruth Bonded because I've been reading a lot of alien romance stories on Kindle. And I just thought like I'd gotten to the point where I knew the tropes, knew what I was looking for. I knew what I enjoyed. So I decided to take the best of what I enjoyed, put it all together into one book, bang it out essentially, and just put it online. And the way I saw it was that even if it only ever makes a fiver, that's a free fiver, right? That's a fiver I didn't have before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that's... That's definitely, a re I like the fact that uh, for so many people, I think like that kind of away from motivation, right? That kind of like negative reinforcement of like a job you don't like or wanting to escape. Um, that's kind of like, it, it like works to get you through the first like thousand words. And then you kind of, and then you like see your friends, you have a few drinks and you kind of maybe get over it. And then you, you sort of, and then you kind of like the dream sort of goes away because it's not got that immediate. And I think it's really amazing that you, you actually saw it, you saw it through. Like you were like, okay, I'm starting and I'm gonna like, I'm gonna, like you say, you're gonna bang it out and I'm gonna. So just to, but also it was a, you were writing in a genre where you'd, you'd read quite a lot of it. So you felt, you also felt confident. You weren't just like jumping into writing alien romance going, I've never seen this done before, but like... <laughs> yeah, that's true. And um, to go back to your previous point about maybe being shy of sharing your work, yeah, I publish under a pen name. Um, so I had total anonymity, essentially. No one who was going to read it knew me in real life and no one I knew in real life, but I didn't want to tell about it would find out about it. So I didn't really have to worry about the kind of blowback of people. <laughs> I mean, even now when I tell people what I do, uh, there is that sense of like, oh, they're going to think this is stupid or they're going to have preconceptions of what I'm doing. And what, yeah. yeah. Um, so I am still shy about it and it's going to take some time and some work for me to just say it out and proud. I write alien romance for Kindle. Um, but at the time, I mean, I had a, I have a big background in fan fiction as well, so I'm used to posting online for strangers. So yeah, so you've you've had so you and I guess with fan fiction, you're writing for an audience who know what they want. Who fan fiction audiences are generally like quite engaged as well, you know, yeah. in terms of for better or worse. The concept of fandom, where you're yeah. contributing to something that exists outside of you. There's this body of work that includes art and fan fiction and 
fan playlists and everything. So the show itself, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then occasionally there'll be these like these kind of like, weird kind of like canon episodes <laughs> that will come out. But no, but of course that's and it, and it is a and it is a culture that people who you know I came to a lot of fandoms quite late myself until and I only went to my first con sort of maybe four years ago and it absolutely blew my mind I was so like in a good way as I know like fandom you know when you're kind of in fandoms it's a bit like being allowed to make jokes about your own family right you can be a bit kind of like teasing and stuff but actually coming to it from the outside and seeing essentially groups of people being sharing enthusiasms in a space where they felt completely safe doing so, being kind of like, for that weekend, their kind of best selves, it was, it, I found it really, it sounds dumb, but I found it really moving, you know? Like, I, I was like, oh, these people are all like looking after each other and going, hey, you like this thing? I like it too. Let's let's make a, let's let's do some, share some drawings of it, you know? <laughs> let's like tell stories about it. Let's do a, like a, a RPG. So I think like those kind of things are, I, I've, I've got a real affection for that scene and I think it's but it is difficult to explain like any enthusiasm difficult to explain to people outside of it because you 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 don't know how they're going to react whether yeah. they're going to react with that I think anyone who's got like a love of something that's uh quote-unquote niche or not mainstream um we learn these ways of sending out stalking horses when we talk about it right because we don't because because of like a legacy of people looking at you glassy eyed or like l- clearly losing the will to live as you talk to them, right? Mm. Essentially, when I if I'm not sure about someone's reaction, but they're asking questions and I can't not answer, I'll just tell them I write sci-fi. Yeah, which is and and it's nice that science fiction has got to the stage now of like that saying I write sci-fi is like. That feels like the safe mainstream normie <laughs> kind of like, where, you know, years ago that would have still been like, oh, re-. see, because and, and from my from my perspective, I, I think it's really cool and really exciting. And every time you've talked about your writing and you've talked about what you do, I'm really full of like admiration, like, wow, especially because of that story of you, you know, deciding I don't like this temp job that I've got. I'm going to have a go at at doing something else and that's that to me is really exciting because it's like the possibility and the gumption and I think so many people so many of us including myself have ideas and we have things and we go god I'd really like to do that and we stop ourselves for all sorts of reasons including that we're scared of sharing and including because it's a, it's a lot of work right <laughs> you have to sit down like that's a, a month of writing that's a lot of work and you know I guess there's bits of it that are more fun than others so when you get what's the practical side of like how do you get stuff how do you set up a an author account on amazon right and yeah how do you set up an author account it's pretty easy i always i always try to hammer into people how easy it is and i'm always trying to get people to publish on amazon and they never do uh but my living hope uh just because it's completely free people often think that there is going to be some kind of charge that you have to pay amazon for the benefit of this you don't uh you just make an account like you would on a social media i mean it takes a few hours because there is some complicated tax stuff which i had no idea 
what any of it was um but there's always that little question mark next to the field that you have to fill in sort of the what is this section i think the main difficulty that i had with it was it's clearly set up for people in the u.s and Mm. i'm in the uk so that i had that extra level of does this apply to me am i doing this right and i miss am i missing something out but generally speaking i just sort of played it safe and rather than tried to try to make myself come out on top I kind of made myself come out on the bottom and sort of ticked you know that kind of I didn't want to be I didn't try to game the system yeah just went along with it with like the minimum of of possibility for it to go wrong so I didn't apply for any sort of uh, ex, you know, exemptions or anything like right. that. Right, uh, with the with the tax thing, uh, you just yeah. like assumed anything <laughs> that it says, are you, yeah. are you, can you get 10% off for this? You go, no, 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 Except, of course, I haven't actually paid anything. I don't know how it's affected the royalties that I get because the royalties that I get come through are affected by currency exchange rates. So it's very difficult to actually say this many books will get you this much money because it depends where they sell. But... Honestly, I haven't given Amazon a dime. So, oh, and you mean like, so you haven't paid them anything like yes. up front? No, oh no, yeah, there's no fees involved. And in terms of tax, they've never, I did one tax thing when I signed up in 2015. And I went on the website yesterday even, and it was still green ticked. Like, you're done. That's enough. We don't need anything nice. more from you. So, so. Uh, so for because I know a lot of uh, our listeners are over in the US anyway, so like some of that currency exchange thing won't affect. In the UK, is there like a U is there like a UK landing page, or do you always have to go through Amazon.com? It's Amazon.com. Yeah, yeah. Okay. the website that you have all your author stuff on is called Kindle Direct Publishing, which gets shortened to KDP. So it's KDP Amazon Direct or something like cool. that. Cool, and website. I will put links to all of this stuff in the <laughs> show notes as well. Yeah. Anyone who's like trying to scribble down like <laughs> really lengthy, complicated, yours, great. So that's um and so and you just you have to. That's the point where you presumably you kind of choose uh your like pen name or yeah. your author name and you commit to that. Yeah. And that's the. And you is there? Do you have a landing page that then anyone can find your work on as well? I do have an author page. I had to set that up. I mm. believe, um, if I'd published enough, a sort of default author page might have come about just because. Oh, from the kind of like sneaky algorithm, yes, did it start yes. doing stuff. It might have done, but I beat it to it. So, oh, um, okay. I do have an author page. I do link all my books to my author page. So they're all there um, with a picture of me from a very old Halloween party. It's <laughs> 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 a nice picture. Um, see, that's re- I, I mean, I, I'll, I'll come back to it maybe later, the kind of like mysteries of the Amazon <laughs> algorithm, because I hear all these things sort of, these bits of info sort of exchanged and passed between authors you know, it feels, you know, like whispers between the kind of like the people trying to understand the sort of strange, mysterious God that lives in the <laughs> sky. Because, of course, Amazon don't share the details of their am- uh, algorithms for a very good reason. Part of the reason is because otherwise authors would would get would try to game the system. But of course, there's people who are trying. I'll, I'll ask you about that in a <laughs> bit. But um, uh, so are there so are there genres that 
are tend to be suit, more suited to Kindle than others. I was wondering if there are like particular genres that do well or some genres that struggle or you know I some would of... say that the top main I'd say the main three that I can think of I mean I have a limited experience with other genres but romance is big crime is big and the thing with crime the crime genre is I think that's the main one where you hear about people self-publishing on Kindle first and then getting picked up for publishing mm. later because crime is a huge emerging genre in the print world as well at the moment and it's like the demand cannot be filled and urban fantasy or just fa fantasy in general um i think anything that can be put into a series is going to be big on kindle i think things that aren't in a series like non-fiction i think non-fiction really struggles mm -hmm. a lot of the non-fiction stuff that i've seen self-published as well have really bad covers just gotta put that out there yeah. i think like the brainiacs who write non-fiction books for kindle don't necessarily put in the effort on the other like the marketing side of things and also when you're reading non-fiction you kind of want it to be have been vetted by somebody else like yeah, someone sure. is telling you a fact so so you want it to be from a professor or someone or some a uni published by a university or, or at least a publishing house or something so that it's not you know it's not absolutely bad shit <laughs> sure like if someone's like if you i'm like reading a book on nutrition i i probably want even though like my actual ability to discern an authority on nutrition versus a non-authority is is close to nil like if there's a really impressive cover that makes it seem very pro then i'd like be i i think i would unconsciously be more swayed to that whereas if i'm reading urban fantasy i don't need someone to have like uh to have written a thesis to know whether i'm going to enjoy kind of like vampire cops like yeah. it's like is this it, am i do i start reading it and am i enjoying it yeah. that that's that's my criteria yeah. and that's the authority that someone and that is that's a really good point actually that so many authors you know, the uh, the authority part of an author when you're writing a story is the reader reads the first page and goes, is this, is this good? Am I enjoying myself? And if they are, then that's all the authority you need, right? Whereas if someone's like starts a page and says, you need to eat sort of like three jars of beets a day, <laughs> then, 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 then you can't like... You can't like jazz that up with style, and they're like, I'm like, well, you said that in such like a beautifully cadenced way that I'll, that I'll, I'll follow your nutrition tips. Um, and so this brings us on to, I guess, the next thing, which is like, uh, what are the sort of things? Because you get a lot of control, and you know, some for some people that's good than better than others. Some people kind of thrive on that. Some people, like you say, basically can't be asked. What kind of things are you having to write that? aren't the contents of the book um i don't have to write much that's not the contents of the book i have to i've always made my own covers though so that's going to change soon i'm getting covers made for me um so my office alien series is going to get a revamp cover wise and the next one coming out is going to have a new one um but i've always made my own covers i've used a website called canva hmm. so they have stock images and editing software on the site so you just make the whole thing on the site um you aren't able to cut 
and layer like you can on Photoshop, but it's got filters and cropping and resizing and this, that and the other. So I, it's always been fine for me. Um, I also have to do my own blurbs. I have a, I have a blog, so I wrote, write blog posts, Sure, but that's it essentially. So like with the, um, a, a cover, cover was going to be my next question would be like, I, in my head as someone who doesn't, I always imagined, oh, like the, the cover's really important. Like, oh, you've got to really nail the cover. And like my, again, my like aesthetic, uh, acumen is worse than zero. Like whenever I've tried to have any hand in like designing the flyers for my Edinburgh shows, they've turned out dire like not even kind of like basically like legible let alone appealing <laughs> um how do you are there kind of are there kind of like uh rules to follow when putting together a cover and why have you decided now to get s to to kind of like look for someone else to help you with that okay um well for me the rule Covers, especially in the alien romance genre that I'm dealing with, um, I think anyone, any of my fans reading who listen to this will immediately recognise what I'm talking about when I say, generally speaking, you're looking at like a muscly torso on a background of stars. Maybe there's a planet and then the title's the guy's head's cut off out of frame maybe he's been done over with like a gold filter or blue and he's maybe got some scales on there maybe got a tattoo of something uh i the genre is choked with covers like that so i've never wanted covers like that um they've also been completely out of my creative reach i would never be able to create a cover like that myself so i've just basically stayed away from that um as well, when you're dealing with aliens who don't look human, you can't have a human guy on the cover. It just doesn't work. It's like false advertising. <laughs> so my yeah, that is the basic. <laughs> that, that is the kind of like oh, that's the op of like yeah. the entire thing. You're like, okay, the US, your USP is like there's going to be an alien, and then you just got like a, a generic dude. It's yeah. disappointing. So my way around that was to put the woman on the cover, uh, the human woman. Yeah, put sure. her on the cover boom you're done and um the rules i would say for covers uh kindle or amazon do have what they call cover creator it sucks do not use it anyone who is listening do not use it it is the is so basic it is it's like something that you would use in like your preteen <laughs> years it's bad it's not good yeah, Kindle Cover Creator is bad. They also have this thing called Create Space, where which is an external company that they've just teamed up with, mm. and they offer to make you a cover, but for like three hundred dollars. So I thought, so no, not worth it. Because as well, they're going to be dealing with lots and lots of Kindle authors, and you're not going to have a very good personal relationship sure. with them, I don't think. So if they, if you pay for something and then don't like it, I doubt you're going to be able to spend you know exchange emails just being like, can you do it again? Yeah. Um, why I've decided to get them done now is essentially I quit my job. <laughs> I did have a day job. I quit, uh, the Friday before last. So I've been off for a week and three days now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Congratulations. <laughs> are so exciting. Um, so I'm throwing myself into the, into the writer business and I thought I would try to look more professional. 
Um, I think I've had two covers back from the company. I'm waiting on a third, which should be coming in on third on Friday. I'll pick my third. I'll pick my favorite, and then the series, the rest, the other books in the series will get covers in the same style. Um, but yeah, essentially, I just wanted to look more professional um, because I, and also actually. That's not my motivation. My motivation was that I didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> I was sitting up late at night, fiddling with a cover, fighting with Photoshop, watching tutorials, and I thought, why am I doing this? <laughs> why? I'm not good at it. I don't enjoy it. I suck. It's hard. I don't want to do it anymore. I'd rather pay someone else to do it for me. I mean, I, that was my I have to say, I, I have had all of those thoughts while writing fiction. <laughs> 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 so maybe I need a career change. No, I, I know exactly. I know exactly what you mean. It's just like if you feel that there's there's someone who who like like you say like knows what they're doing and can get it right. If there's a way that you can then spend that time doing the actual writing, right? Like yeah. so, and, and so that and that's I guess an important thing for anyone trying to do self-publishing is like work out what stuff you feel less comfortable with that you can sort of afford to delegate and outsource to someone doing it well because presumably I mean do, do you think people still even in the sort of ebook kindle era do, are people still making some of their decisions based on the cover yes I think it it does matter a lot I've known of some books that have uh, not tanked, because if they tanked, I wouldn't have heard of them, but come under heavy fire where they've had to have the fans really go to bat being like, this is a good book, despite the cover. I do know a few books like that. One of them is called, uh, for my fans who might know what I'm talking about, one of them is called Starkist. I'm not sure who it's by. I read it a long time ago, but that is a big favourite of the genre and the cover was like so bad. <laughs> and it got... Um, I think it got remade. Then there was Amanda Milo, who is this huge upcoming name. Um, her first book, bless, <laughs> her, had not a great title, not a great cover. The title got remade, redone in like two weeks. Evidently, the feedback was just overwhelming that the cover, the name was not so good. And the cover as well has been redone about three times, I think, since, wow. since uh, it first came out. So yeah. I mean, no, no, of course, um, people, like... if the cover is really, really bad, normally 3D models, instant no, 3D model, it's instant It's difficult no. to not make them look just like a little bit creepy. Yeah, and spooky, exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, you can have ones that are too basic. Um, so maybe like, a, you know, a leafy background with some titles on. Mm. That's not really going to get you anywhere. Um, but generally speaking, I think... I don't think the expectations are that high for Kindle ebooks because obviously as well once you've got the cover on an ebook once it's once you've scrolled past that page it's gone you never you don't see that again so 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 uh, but there's I guess but I guess if you are a a fan and a reader of the genre you're writing in then what should I make my cover look like is partly a moot point because you should know some of the conventions but like you were saying you can take some of them and sort of do something new while still having the purpose of the cover I guess is to have like signposts saying yeah you're gonna get 
the thing that you like is yeah. going to be in here. This is what you're... I mean, I, I think of stuff like the kind of Galan's Masterworks uh, series of SF and the covers for that. It's got some of my favourite books in there and the covers are like uniformly pants or they're unimpressive yeah. they're unimpressive i think the, i know the ones you mean they're like the often like a yellow style. kind of like yeah. wash and they'll be like a generic spaceship and someone wearing like a triangular hat yeah, yeah. and they they usually have they look like like they often like look like a combination of like stock photos that have been put through yeah. a kind of like photoshop filter <laughs> and then a triangular hat added to yeah. say it's like this is a space person now yeah but um they're inoffensive. They're not so garishly bad that you go, oh, but they do say this is going to be some science fiction. And then the books are are really good. Like I, I and I because they're all the sort of same colour, I can locate them quickly. And I go, oh, no, I know I'm going to like one of these. And if I'm like in an airport or something, I know I'm going to almost certainly like what what one that I get. So they do they work. Like I bit, bought probably like twenty of them because they allow me to locate the thing I'm after sort of fairly reliably. Mm. I stay away from those because um, essentially they look crap. They and look crap. Um, I know different editions exist of those books. Yeah. That so is... I was kind of like, if I'm going to own this book, I don't want that ugly one. <laughs> yeah, they are really, <laughs> they are really, they are really ugly. And like, it's quite nice on my shelf, I guess they look a bit, but they, yeah, they are really crap looking editions (laughs) and often have um also often have blurbs which spoil major plot points of the book (laughs) i've been so angry i've like met messaged them on twitter and said this like ruins the entire twist that the book turns on speaking of which any tips for writing a blurb that was not a deliberate (laughs) segue but that worked uh, okay uh uh my answer to this is basically that i've never had any feedback on my blurbs so I don't think I'm great shakes at writing a blurb. I always forget that I have to write them, and which means I've put next to z- next to no forethought in when the time comes. Uh, it's, I'm usually on the back of having written a book. I just want to publish it. It's late. I'm going through the you know ticking the boxes and putting you know filling in the names and stuff. The, everything you have to do to actually put the book out which doesn't really take that long in the grand scheme of things. Um, and then it asks you for a blurb and I always go, oh, I forgot. <laughs> so I think in the romance genre, it's important to get both of the main leads um, points of view in, like what's their angle? So I generally go start with the woman. So-and-so is, yeah, like Lois Kennedy is working at the Department of Extraterrestrial Immigration. What's her, what's she about? And then it, and what she wants. And then it cuts to Zier is her boyfriend's name. Zier is, is an IT guy. Da, 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 da. He, he and Lois don't get on. Um, and then I know it's trite, but you know, you end on a, on, on a question or some mysterious allusion to you know secrets so can they ever be happy or will their secrets tear them apart or um surely they hate each other so why can't they stop thinking about each other, <laughs> that kind of thing so end on a question or something like that it's kind of tacky and i don't really like doing it but 
I don't know. But I don't know fits. any author that relishes <laughs> the, the the blurb. I mean, it, if you it makes you feel any better, the 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 blurb for the honors opens. Nineteen thirty-five, Norfolk. <laughs> 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 Which I can feel could be any further <laughs> from the kind of like, and, and this is to try and kind of like draw people into like a, a gripping yarn. Yeah. I, I, like the thing is, if blurbs were, if authors just like did a blurb and goes, actually, this says everything that I wanted yeah. want, wanted to say, you wouldn't need to write the book. I know. <laughs> I think there are some blurbs that are evidently the author wants wants the reader to appreciate the book on its own merits and to unwrap the story as they read the book. And so the blurb is insanely vague. Yeah. You learn nothing at all. You know, re- like really nothing. It's, it's just constant... It, constant allusions to secrets and mysteries yeah so it'd be like abstract things yeah. like like pain a secret echoing through the ages exactly a family torn apart exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly so i would stay away from those ones you got to give them some kind of meat especially because on kindle you you're just scrolling you're just scrolling and you tap on a book you get the blurb and it's so easy to just be like oh no and turn away and find the next one right so if if you're being deliberately obtuse, you're not going to like pe- the pe- your readers are savvy enough to be like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> yeah. Like if you're like super coy. Uh, so it's like about getting away from abstracts and going into specifics. I like like naming characters is yes. it's like, and all of these things, it can seem, it can feel trite from the inside when you know you're following a kind of formula, but my God, it's so it's it's much better than the opposite, which is just like trying to invent a blurb from the ground up, invent like <laughs> yeah. the entire kind of like artwork of blurb because you'll inevitably do a shit job. You would it will be crap if you don't have some kind of framework within which you're trying to tell the story. And I think like characters' names are such a. It's, I just think as human beings, we're so much more engaged. Yeah. With, this is happening to a specific person, not yeah. like generic folks in a kind of swirling yeah. of <laughs> concepts yeah. yeah um but that's i guess the next sort of stage on from that is is the sar- is the sample where people can actually read a yes. bit of your so you've kind of like they've gone presumably the, the order is almost like oh that's an interesting cover click blurb oh okay i'll have a little look at the sample yeah that's almost exactly how it goes what 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 should what should your sample can what should you put in your sample is there an art yeah the um samples are something that i i can be quite rigid on when i'm reading other people's essentially the samples are the first 10 percent of your book so the longer your book is the longer the sample is going to be i say roughly i don't know how amazon do this but somehow they always manage to land on like a cliffhanger or at least the end of a sentence or the end of a paragraph so it's not always the neat 10%. Um, so basically, don't include too much fluff and bump at the beginning, especially like you can have, I can't remember the name of them now, but you know, acknowledgements, dedications, tables of contents, they're eating into your sample. Ah, okay. Um, but at the same time, if you don't want, if your book hinges on a mystery and you don't want to give too much away, pad the front of your book with your front pages and your sample will be shorter 
I think it's important to get the genre in the sample as soon as you can, like immediately. So if it's a romance, make sure you get both, make sure they meet in the sample mm. that, or that the, at the very least, the readers see the guy, if it's from the woman's point of view. That drives me nuts when mm. I've read a sample and I don't get any idea or any implication of what the other half of the couple is going to be. Uh, if it's a crime, make sure the crime happens or or is discovered in the sample. If it's fantasy, just make sure the plot is in there. Um, don't waste time on an, a day in the life of your main character yeah. before the story starts. That's something I see. People feel like they need to establish the norm so that then the adventure sticks out. And I kind of feel like we all know what normal is. We don't need to see this woman going about her day on the spaceship, fixing up a crack in the flux capacitor or whatever, get bumping into this guy she doesn't like, having dinner with her friend. It's just wasted words. It's just wasted space. You, you can fit that in later in a flashback or something when so-and-so is like, oh, gee, I wish, I wish Mary was here. I wish we could just have coffee like we used to. Done. Yeah. Um, I've seen... One thing that gets me as well, I think this is just a problem I have because I've read so much of the genre, is that they always want to include the ship crashing, if it's a story in which a ship crashes. And we don't need that. We know it. Every ship crashes the same way, more or less, especially if you don't know why it's crashed. Ship crashes, boom. Just have them wake up on the surface and be like, oh no, the ship crashed. So I always like to start... Do you think the temptation is because it seems from like a cinematic perspective yes. to see like a big ship kind of like crashing? Yeah. You... Alarms blaring and everything. Your, your feeling is like that must be dramatic because it's a big crisis. But I guess we don't have really any relationship to that ship no. at the beginning. No, we so don't. in the same way, you know... It's not I... even obviously the main character is in those scenes. If, For example, if there's... A technician and a captain. Are we? Are we meant? Who are we meant to be focusing on here? That's. A, I mean, all of those things. I think it's. It, it's great how, any kind of like discipline, like how are you going to make your first ten percent interesting, forces or at least encourages, good craft because all of those things are not, in any way. Uh, it's not like, oh, well you, well, you have to do this because it makes for a good sample, but it damages the story. No, they're all like really good things to have in your story anyway. Start early, make us care. Give us the characters. Give us the narrative present. Don't start your fantasy novel with a prologue that kind of like sets things up. Don't like, don't establish the norm because we will, we understand kind of what normal looks like and we can understand from characters' reactions what normal looks like. And like you say, you can introduce it later. It's like the director's cut of aliens is so much longer and has and there's like one or two good scenes in it but but they have a whole bit in the colonist base where they're just showing kids going around on trikes being happy so yeah like and i can see the thinking the thinking is and then when they all get eaten by aliens we'll go oh no <laughs> I, I like the, there was children but we see when the but in the final cut when the marines go in you see, like, you see a tr a trike like covered in frigging slime, and like underneath, like, I don't go. Oh, maybe that was like 
Maybe that was like a robot strike, or maybe that was like a technician who wasn't very nice, who I don't care about. I, I know that that belonged to a kid, and it's we can reconstruct. We know this is a colonist base, base. We don't think that they set up the colony with the alien already dead. We can, we can, we're human beings. Your readers, I think, is such a good point. Your readers are intelligent enough to make those connections and if not yeah and then later on once we care about the characters once the story's moving you can give us a bit of context but we'll want the context then it'll be a mystery we'll care about it as an author can you see where your 10% ends before you publish no uh oh do you mean as a in my head or as a feature on inter- on, on, on 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 kindle do you are you kind of going like no. hopefully this is the first 10 percent, or does it kind of cut it and you go oh well that's where the sample ended um i've never been able to see what the sample is going to be before the book is published i may not have been looking hard enough but i've never seen that so so you have to so you more you or less yes yeah yeah okay that's a so you, so what you can't do is like, and there are bits where you're like, oh gee, hope the sample doesn't cut off in the middle of this scene, yeah. <laughs> or oh, I hope the sample gets to the end of this scene. But... I've never, I mean, I must admit, I've never seen it cut off in the middle of a sentence. Yeah. The one I just read, it did cut off in an immensely arbitrary place, but <laughs> yeah. um, that was that was kind of fine. I knew I was reading a sample, and I felt like I'd got uh, some way into it. So the next question I have, we've got all of these bits as kind of like a guess, like a kind of funnel that's bringing people in but how do you find your readers now I'm, I'm aware that there will be some very obvious answers to this um so but apart from yeah how do you find readers for your book and and I guess the supplement to that is are there any prom- ways of promoting the work apart from kind of like passively people coming in and I think like you've cover that really well like is that are there ways you can promote your work and, and what ones work well okay i i never really had to look for readers as such they found me um there was an the amazon have stopped doing this they took all their forums down i don't know why uh if i'm being beneficial i would or not beneficial if i'm being charitable i would say it's something to do with uh, service base but if I'm being not charitable it's probably something to do with free advertising um, but there was a forum called uh, romance with aliens who actually look like aliens or something along those lines and they there were thousands they ended up with thousands of posts but they found me they said this book is good this was uh, responded um, yeah responded had been out a few months and they said, here, I found this. This book is good. My sales jumped like nuts. How did and... you... So you're basically, your book's been out. It's been kind of ticking over for a yeah. while. And then one day... One day it's just like, bam. So, and did you did you see the sales go up and then have to like detective yes. work yes. back to yeah. where's this coming yes. from? Yeah, that's happened to me a few times where I see a jump in sales and I have to start like Googling my name or the title of the book to kind of try and see where that might have come from. And sometimes it's months before I figure it out. Mm, wow. Um, but yeah. That's so a they, bit exciting, right? Yeah. So they found me, they said this book is good and ever since I've kind of been one of their darlings. I oh, like wow. Fandoms. <laughs> That's the thing. It's amazing. Like if you can connect with passionate people who, you know, and uh, who read like a lot as well and, so, and then they, and you're giving them what they 
one. Yeah. That's very exciting. Because <laughs> uh, I know there's lots of stuff out there. There's all sorts of people who are, you know, I get emails now who are kind of knocking on your door saying, pay me to promote your book, but yeah. pay for advertising yeah. here, pay for advertising on Goodreads, pay yes. for ad- you can advertise on, on Amazon. Amazon itself yeah. now. Yeah, um, I get those same emails. So Amazon does have marketing platforms. Um that you have to pay for Goodreads. Um, I don't, n- I know less about Facebook as well. You can like have a page, but then you need to promote your page. Yeah. Or everyone's not going to get those posts. Um, Amazon also has a feature that allows you to do what they call a countdown deal, where your book you can lower the price of your book. Let's say it goes down fifty percent, and then a week later it's forty percent, and then a week mm. later it's thirty. Ooh, okay. So the price is going up back to the original level and it encourages people to kind of buy 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 yeah um another thing that i've seen people do is they'll have a series and the first book book will be free um so that's intended to get people hooked on the series and then they will buy the rest and that's where you make your money or the first book will be 99p or something like that and but those ones where you're doing sort of discounting yeah um are you paying extra or is it simply you're just paying in the sense of a putative lost, yeah. lost I The first time I did that, I did one for Responded where I made it... I made it 99p, I believe, um, for a month or a week or something like that. And my sales jumped so much that I made more money than I would otherwise. So I cut the price by a... I cut the price by a... Two, I took two thirds off the price, yeah. and my sales went up nine times, like nine hundred percent. So in the end, I was making three times as much. And money. it's a, and it's a series, right? So yeah. was this when the other ones were available for people to get? Or was I this think I might like... have timed it like that for the release of a new one. Um, put the first one down. Uh, this I is, can't uh, that's brought me so beautifully onto the next question, which is like how much should you charge okay. for your book? Um, um, uh, audiences on Amazon can like be a bit stingy. I will say that. Um, anything over £4 and people will start to think twice. They'll start wanting to get opinions from people they trust before they buy it. Even if the sample is good, even if the cover and the blurb and everything else looks good, they will hesitate to buy it. So I'd say like three ninety nine is probably your max. Um, I charge two ninety nine, um, but I'm thinking of putting. There have been cases where I've thought about putting it up to about three fifty, just because of currency exchange rates meant that I wasn't getting the money. I wasn't getting the return that I was expecting. Um, ninety nine p books that are free or ninety nine p. Um, they might sell a lot, but but you can charge more. You can charge more. Yeah. It depends a lot on how much the book is, uh, how long the book is. So obviously, if you've written like a huge brick that's like two hundred thousand words, feel free to charge like four pounds, five pounds for it. Um, but if you if it's like a twenty thousand word or thirty thousand word little novella, if you charge full price for that, so two ninety nine or three ninety nine or whatever it is. Uh, people will complain in the in the reviews. They'll say like this book is too short for the money. Um, 
there are you obviously on the book's page you can see how long it is but it is if you have written a book that's particularly short or particularly long it's good to just put a note in the blurb just saying like this is 2000 20,000 words long or whatever just so people know what they're getting what are the kind of average what kind of what's the most common kind of length is there like a standard length I or? would say anything un, in my experience mm. anything under 60,000 words and you're going to get people saying that it's short okay um i've had but my books range from 40,000 to 90,000 sure words so yeah like so, and and 90,000 is average super average novel length 200,000 words is, is, is I have seen that I've oh, seen a, I've seen a Kindle book I've read a Kindle book actually that's come out um and it's got 800 pages it's listed as eight, being 800 My pages God. long I mean I wrote so the book I've just finished was went over 200,000 words but I showed it to my agent and I got an email back that just said, eek, exclamation mark. <laughs> and uh, I had to cut a third out of it. And I I mean, of course, like, but I wonder if like someone, if, especially if you're writing kind of like fantasy and stuff, I'm wondering if you're writing a sort of 200,000 word thing where it'd be worth kind of like cut, cut cutting it into a Two, couple of yes. installments and charging less for each one yeah so the installments thing is interesting because they're really unpopular really um because they make people mad because you want the whole book and you feel like you're being overcharged mm. so one of my favorite authors is called eileen glass and she writes in installments mostly and she had a book that ran away with her so it ended up being 12 installments long and i was paying about two pounds for each instalment so that's like 24 pounds for one book which was and the thing is she didn't know it was going to end up that long sure so you don't know when you start out how many how much you're going to be God, paying in the that's end very true, yeah. and um and people my first book actually finishes on um finishes with the couple on the man's home planet and um his family come out of the woods no they just no i don't think so do they I think that's actually the start of the second one. So yeah, in the end, yeah, in the end of the first book, they're on his home planet, done and dusted, and the second one starts exactly where the first one leaves off. So I had a lot of people who misunderstood and thought that it was be a series in installments, uh, it was serialization like that, and I was like, no, it's just a sequel. Like, because like, there's, a, quite there's a promise made at the beginning of the first book that is yes. kind of fulfilled by the yeah. end which is kind yeah. of like how are these two gonna get on there's an arc that is actually completed and sure you can go on and tell other stories about them but that the kind of promise and the questions at the beginning of that are completed at the end of that's that how book. i saw yeah. it yes when i wrote it i didn't expect it to be a series yeah um, but then it was so popular i made it a series yeah, I mean, yeah, of course, and uh, yeah, I, I think that's uh, when he said that's how I saw it. There was a kind of I feel there's like a like rueful tone of like, well, and some people. <laughs> that, I've got, but that I, I, actually, just I do want to sort of sidestep in. How do you get? I, I was looking at your sort of uh, book pages, and you've got so many people writing reviews for your stuff, and I just wondered, how do you get? so many people to engage 
critically with your work and leave reviews because it's very you know like as a reader it's really useful to be able to see a bunch of readers go this is how I felt about it this is how I thought about it I love this bit if you like this then you're going to like this it makes you I, I felt like much more confident in what I was going to be reading because you see that and you go okay okay that's great and it whereas if something hasn't got very many reviews uh, it's harder how did how how did you get so many reviews <laughs> I'm slightly I mean I am asking for myself but I just wonder is it to do with the type of book or is there a particular thing to do with your readers or did you do something to solicit reviews or how does it I never did anything to solicit reviews um again they just kind of did it on their own I think it might be more common with ebooks to review rather than print books because when you finish an ebook you turn the last page and Amazon will automatically prompt you to leave a review oh really and a star oh rating. wow and there are people who make it their business to leave reviews, especially on Amazon. And you can be rated as a reviewer so that you can be like top tier reviewer. Mm. Oh, this person is like top one in the top hundred for reviewers. Um, also, there's your main review centers are going to be Amazon and Goodreads. And on Goodreads, there is the more social media aspect to it. So people... Um, well, people follow each other's reviews, yeah. etc. Um, I find Goodreads quite hard because people are more likely to review a bad book there or leave a bad review on a book there um, because of the social media aspect. They, you can, you can be popular by writing funny, bad reviews and by absolutely destroying a book. But on Amazon, people don't waste their time doing that. In my experience, if they think a book is bad, they're just going to stop reading it, right? Sure. They're not going to... So they're to not going to get to that prompt at the end. Yeah, and yeah. also they're not going to waste their time. <laughs> like, why talk about something that you didn't even finish, right? Why did you talk about something that was so beneath your notice yeah. that you just don't um, read it? Uh, Goodreads and Amazon are linked as well. So if you write an Amazon on link, uh, if you write a review on Amazon and you have a Goodreads account, it will automatically sure. show up on your Goodreads, but it doesn't work the other way around. So I prefer Amazon reviews because they're on the books page. So when people are considering buying your book, they look at those reviews, not yeah. the reviews. They won't go to another website and check those oh, reviews. Yeah, like yeah. who goes, who's looking at a book on Amazon and then goes, I'll just, uh, I'll just uh, cross-reference this with some other book, book aggregation yeah. reviews. So Goodreads kind of works the other way around where people will follow, people follow people, people make reviews, and the people following that person will then say, oh, they thought like they liked this book. I'll buy it. Sure. Whereas on Amazon, they go to the books page and go, oh, I'm not sure. I'll read the reviews. Although there is an algorithm in that for was this review helpful that yes. will pop reviews yeah. towards the top. It is, and yeah, it is hard to you can filter the reviews. Um, they're autom automatically ordered in a certain way that you then I think those to... top 100 reviewers yeah. also tend to be favoured by the algorithm yeah. to appear higher. Yeah. Uh, those like top reviewers on Amazon and on Goodreads too, but especially on Amazon, will also, once they've reached that kind of like level, that kind of level of uh, Amazon reviewer celebrity, but definitely uh, publishers will send them advanced copies as yes. well. They're the kind of... So often... At that stage, people are 
and the same on Goodreads. Actually, people will get offered, yes, you know, advanced, advanced copies and book bloggers and things like mm. that. So you can do that with eBooks as well, and you do see some books that have um, advanced read copies. Do you ever do you ever send out copies I of your stuff to reviewers really or anything like that? I haven't really had to do that now. I wouldn't know who to send them to either. Um, also, they do kind of make me a bit because I'm kind of like okay who's this person though I mean I'm coming from a place of total ignorance so I don't follow any book blogs or anything like that so someone will be like I received an advanced read copy in exchange for an honest review here it is and I'd be like yeah but who, who are you yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah I don't really yeah know. I guess like in my you... experience the books that send out advanced read copies they don't have faith in the book themselves Maybe that's really mean. Maybe that's really rude. I'm sure I, I'm pissing th- off a lot of people. But in my experience, sometimes I've seen books that only have advanced read reviews. So I'm kind of like, mm, about that. Yeah, I definitely I definitely think uh, from your experience as well, from like, it sounds like you were not, those were not the reviews you were, those were not the things you were relying on to choose stuff in your genre as a reader. Yeah. So it do, it's naturally not, so you're not then using this tactic that has never yeah and i've never attracted you as a reader which seems fair enough right like and i've never tried to pretend that i'm that my books are particularly like literary or well crafted um for me it's always more about just enjoying it (laughs) and the emotional response that you get so i thought if i sent them out to someone who considered themselves to be a critic i wouldn't do very well (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know about I don't know about it not being well crafted. I think like craft is about connecting with an audience and being able to kind of meet their demands. And there's different different games in town. And uh, you know, yes, sure. Like if you're like playing by the rules of literary fiction, it's just like is this m- metaphor audacious? <laughs> is this is there a a, a sad straight couple having a really really slow divorce like that's and, and if you do that people are like brilliant it's really poignant and it's kind of like it it brilliantly skewers the mores of uh, contemporary middle class <laughs> metropolitan society and i litfic authors don't at me i love you deeply i am shelved under li- uh, literary fiction uh but like my heart is in is in fantasy definitely that's where what i love that's i and i read literary fiction i read both but like i would i desperately crave the, the the approval of the fantasy community but i've never bought a book based on like a telegraph review yeah you know i've i've read books you know i've read books because you've said to me you should read this I think you'll like it, and I'm almost always when people do that, I will go and pick up the book. Like a, a personal recommendation is that, and and that's I guess like a fandom is like a weaponized version of that. Yeah. It's just like a load of people who are going, I know what you like. <laughs> Look at this, and and that carries loads of weight because the person does know because there you've got that ex- shared experience. Uh, how do how do royalties work in this? Well, because I imagine also because you're talking about like how to how to price the book, and I was wondering does that affect percentage of royalties and and kind of like what? There is an effect. Um, Amazon has two tiers for its royalties system, and one tier is that they will take seventy percent of the price of the book, and one tier is that they will take thirty percent of the price of the book. 
Obviously, I choose the thirty percent version. That seems you 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 so see that... <laughs> no <laughs> you're like no for me. I've uh, analysed this deal and uh... yeah. so they Amazon take thirty percent of the price of the book and I get seventy percent and I'm happy with that because out of a book that's three pounds, I get two pounds ten. I get the big slice, you know. But and... but, but there's I'm, did you have to press a, a button and they're like, one random person around the world will die? <laughs> what's the, no, what's the, what's um, the, the button? There must the book be something has in it to them. be a certain price. Um, this actually changed recently in the last year or so, I think, last year sometime. They changed this. So it used to be that you, your book could be basically any price yeah. and this would still apply. Now it has to be over one ninety nine, I think, or sure. over $2.99 or, or minimum of two ninety nine for this tier sure. to apply, um, which I was annoyed about because I wrote a book called Ruth's Baby. Spoiler alert, she has a baby. Um, and that was really short. And I wanted to price it low to reflect that. And I, I either didn't in the end, I can't remember, I should know this. Um, but I think in the end I went with the low price and the less good loyalty deal just to kind of get the, get the, get the book out essentially I'm, I'm gonna ask a question about is there like a subscription service or something for kindle where people can just you know like with audible and people get like a thing a month am i think am i getting this wrong or is this is again this is like <laughs> this is something i should have checked is there something where people can get essentially there's not like a kindle thing where people just get access to stuff um and they pay like a monthly subscription is uh, there Kindle Unlimited. Oh, right. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Kindle <laughs> Unlimited, as I understand it, is you pay £10 or $10 a month and then you get 10 books essentially for free. But those books have to be, the author has to tick them for Kindle Unlimited. My books are on Kindle Unlimited because it means more reviews and I think the authors get a chunk of money out of a pool. Yeah. Um, so basically everyone's £10 goes into a pool and you get a chunk based on how many times your sure. books have been taken out of this pool, whatever. And you're only allowed 10 books in that month. And if you want more, you have to give one back. Sure. Um, so Kindle Unlimited is quite popular. Often sales will of a book that wasn't on Kindle Unlimited, if it suddenly goes on Kindle Unlimited, someone in the forum will be like, "Ping, this book's on Kindle Unlimited for this t for a week only." Everyone will go out and buy it, buy it in quotation yeah. marks because it's free for them. But it does mean it means so much more exposure that it's definitely worth doing in my experience. And it ha it's not like it's ever hurt my. So, so these are kind of profits. things that, like, during the lifetime of the book, you can kind of cycle through different some different prices, or you can... Yeah, all that stuff you can change. You can always change. You can change anything about the book. You can change the content of the book by just uploading another manuscript. You can change the cover, the title, the author, the uh, price. Once it's published, it's not set in stone. You can always change that stuff. Wow. Yeah. A fluid ending. That's... <laughs> um, <laughs> What? Uh, I will. Uh, some more notes about royalties is that you get paid sixty days after the last day in the month the book was published. So if you pu publish in January, you'll get paid on the twenty eighth or the twenty ninth of March, and it doesn't matter whether you publish on the first, fifteenth, or thirtieth of January. Um, that's just how it goes. And if you publish on the first, then your payment will be for a month's worth of sales. 
if you publish on the 15th, it will be two weeks worth of sales. And if you publish on the 30th, it will be two days worth of sales. So, so it's better to publish. So it's up to different people as to what they does prefer. That, does that mean that a lot of books get published on the first... Well, come the, out, e-books come out on the first day of the, the Well, month. the thing with waiting to publish your book so that you get a month's worth of sales is that you would then get that month's worth of sales a month later. Yeah. So, so it doesn't So if so you need the matter. money, yeah, yeah you it might as well matter, just go yeah. for it because what and then once it's out is so what's the is it what's the kind of like, and then you get paid every month as well by the way oh so it's not always a it's not a chunk you don't get one wouldn't... chunk it's just every month yeah. after that you get the money for the for three months ago <laughs> what is the what's the I don't know if it's fair to talk about the average lifespan of a novel but especially where you're writing series where you would it, can you do bit have you found you've built up a backlist of people sort of find your new stuff and then go and then work backwards yes, through it? Yeah, I uh so talking about the lifespan of a novel on or an ebook on Kindle, generally speaking, if you have a fan base, then as soon as the book comes out, maybe it takes a couple of days for one person to kind of snag it and then tell everyone else. So they'll be like, Oh, VC Lancaster's got a new book out. So your sales will spike. You'll sell however much you're going to sell, like you know, loads, hundreds, thousands, whatever. Gonna, yeah, and you look at it and go, extrapolating from, from this, <laughs> I'm. This is amazing. I'm made yeah. up. Like I've just. <laughs> and if my sales continue to rise like yeah, this, no, no, you you start high and then they slowly decline over the next few months, mm. and then in about three months' time, you're on the bottom of the pile. You know, you're twelve pages into the to the. Um, search results on Amazon, you know, and then you just have to kind of start all over again. If you all, oh yeah, if you have a series, then with every new book that comes out, new people will discover you for the first time and buy others of your books. So all your books will get a spike. So the more books you have out, the more money you make every time you release a book. Sure. Right now I'm in a position, I think, I hope that I haven't fallen completely out of favour, but I think I'm in a position now where everyone who's going to write, read my books has done so. So I don't see these spikes as much as I used to. Um, if you don't have a fan base already, if you're starting out new, then you just you need to be discovered, I'd say. You need to be discovered, and that can take as long as it can take. My first book wasn't discovered, in quotation marks, uh, for a few months. Um, so yeah, I think it came out in June or July and it wasn't until September that I started to see like a, a, the spike in sales. Um, but after that, it just goes from there. Pe- these people, especially in a sort of a niche genre, like not, I'm not, not just romance, but this alien romance or sci-fi genre within that people are always hungry for more mm. because they're just, the demand outweighs the supply. Sure. Oh, that's I would love to be writing in a genre where the demand <laughs> outweighs the supply. I mean, that hasn't... I guess, like, the last time that was true across the board was the 1930s. Yeah. Where there was, you know, where writers were... That's, and that's where you get the first wave of how to write books get printed because, like, the p- cost of paper drops down, literary rates shoot up, uh, and then and people are like, oh, there's... Uh, loads of people who want to read and there's like 
seven fusty dudes writing stories <laughs> about people being in drawing rooms glaring at each other and and people go okay I'll write and then it's like I want to read about gangsters I want to read about superheroes <laughs> and you suddenly get this kind of massive rush of the guy who wrote the guy who wrote um, like the Billy Bunter stories in Britain, I think he was writing something bananas. Like he worked at a rate of three million words a year. Like he was doing something apps. He was writing so so much, uh, and he, he always found a huge audience for it. Three million words. A year. Um, do you need to offer? print copies what's the print copy side of it because obviously most people are discovering your stuff and reading you through ebooks mm-hmm. uh, what about print copies print copies the question do you have to offer print copies the answer is no people will ask you for print copies um but because how it works on amazon is that you upload your manuscript and format it for print which was the biggest headache Ever. It took me, it took me like three days just to get the page numbers correct. It was the, it was serious. I thought I was ready to pack it in, <laughs> not just the book, like throw myself off a cliff. Like um, it was so bad, um, but I did it. And how it works is you, you get a slice, Amazon gets a slice. And the cost of printing is included in the cost of the book sure. because they will print on demand. So they, so someone buys one book, they print one book and ship it out. And the, um, the bigger the book, the more it costs to print it. So it's kind of not worth it financially just because you often because the cost of the printing is included in the cost of the book plus postage and packaging you kind of print yourself out you price yourself out of the market because my book my book goes for like a nine pounds and then with postage and packaging it's like 13 or something yeah which is a lot right for a book that was originally three pounds yeah um so so people want a print copy sure but then when it comes down to it the the financial side just kind of make it a lot less desirable than it was originally so people it's a nice thing to offer for people who want one to sit on their shelves or yeah, um, there might sold... be some accessibility issues yes, that people want exactly to... i've i have sold a few copies but definitely less than definitely le- i'd say definitely less than 50 print copies and when you think that ruth of of responded and responded to this date has sold over 3000 copies on ebook so the return just kind of isn't really worth it. I mean, and I priced it as low as I could get it to go. Sure. Right. I think I make I make one pound off every print copy that sells, and the price online is about nine pounds. So it's just. So it's, it's yeah. So it's like a it's it's like a nice thing, that but it's not going to be like a revenue stream. Yeah, it's no just way. like a, it's like a fun extra essentially. Yes, yeah. 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 Um. So the question that I want to ask and actually this comes from a place of like you know having talked to you about when you you write and stuff I feel like I sometimes when I've talked to you and you've talked about working on stuff I felt like you know some kind of secret that I don't about how to sit down and just like bloody get a book done but I wanted you know you've now quit your job to do this and so this might be a dumb question but like do you enjoy writing do do you enjoy this yes I do 
I do. I don't really have a. Oh, yeah, I, 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 I'm not going to yeah, like no. switch. Yeah. I, I know you. It feels like I'm going to like switch a big kind of like yeah. lamp on and go like you. You're lying because I know <laughs> nobody. No, none of us enjoy this really. And I and I, I don't. I I've talked talked about making jokes about that and how I think it's like a slightly slippery slope to normalise this awful tendency to like for writers to beat themselves up and hate writing but um I also know from speaking to loads of writers how they sometimes struggle with it so like how do you can you just talk because I think it really maybe it's like maybe you don't know but like I was just wondering how you sort of how you deal with motivation do you ever like are you ever writing some uh the book and go oh gosh I don't know what's going to happen next or I'm not sure this is working do you have like do you have like bad days while writing and how do you get through them um, well, to start at the beginning, while I, I, most of my writing career, all of my books, in fact, all of my books that I've published have, were written while I also had my day job because I only just quit. So I would write in the evenings and on the weekends. Often it was knackering. Often if I had too many social plans in one week, I would then be like, oh no, I haven't written anything. I'm a total failure. And I used to beat myself up about that. Um, now that I'm, I've quit. I found the first week I found quite easy. It does feel like a privilege to just go down into my garage, uh, which is freezing, and and write for five hours, four hours, whatever. Uh, this week I think I'm relaxing a bit too much. I uh, I think I'm getting used to the idea. My biggest enemy is relaxation, not Welcome stress. Welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I want to hear. Like, you know, this week, I the darkness has started creeping in the no, end. I, I like, I've been kind to myself. I had a cup of tea and I don't think I deserved it. <laughs> not quite. I, um, I'm not beating myself up and I don't feel bad about it. It just feels like I've got infinite time. Mm. So my motivation while I was at work was always, you know, this is the dream. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to be. Um, I'm doing it for the fans and I'm doing it for the money because it was a part-time job and I wouldn't have been able to support myself without the money I got from Amazon. Um, so it was always a sense of if you don't publish, you will starve. And... Also, if you don't if you don't publish if you don't write, what are you going to be like? What are you going to? Who are you? And are you okay with that? Um, and also, I am one of those writers who has stories that just build up in their heads. Like I always get asked that, where do you, how do you think of a story? And I'm like, well, I I barely think of a story. They kind of come to me. I don't, you know, I've got too many to deal with right now. Um, it's yeah, motivation in terms of sitting down and doing it though is. For me, I need to keep the peril of not writing forefront in my mind, I think, in order to be like, you need to write or else you'll run out of money and be homeless and starve. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, that but yeah, it um... is fun. Writing is fun. I do. I, I like writing and I wouldn't want to. I don't want to do anything else. I, I Yeah. And I don't want to sound like I'm being too down on. I, I think it joke. easy I think it is easier with ebooks because nothing like no matter what you do even if it sucks you can just tip it out onto the internet and you'll get something back right some people will buy it whereas with print books if it sucks 
the it won't get printed. The publisher will be like, no. Sort of, but then that's just like saying that I I think that maybe the it's more it's closer to something like stand up or you know which I've done as well, which is like you can go well if you go and you're shit, you're still going to get paid at the end of it. And it's like yeah, but everyone's going to see you fall on your ass on stage, <laughs> like or ignore you, and you'll go away knowing you did a shit job mm. and i think that it, matters a different amount to different people yeah and well yeah absolutely and i think and it's also how closely you identify with it and um but you know for, certainly from you, your perspective like if you just like just dump out like bad thing after bad thing you would yeah start you would get a repu- like, no Ugh. you would get a reputation for being bad and then no one would ever buy anything it, from you again exactly and i don't mean to say that i have ever deliberately underperformed on a book like I do try to make them as good as I can um but I think if I felt real pressure in the sense of like this this I need to prove who I am through this one book and this one book reflects my value as a human being and I'll just kill myself if it sucks um then then I wouldn't write anything I think I need that freedom of being like, well, it doesn't matter. I can do better on the next one. I think I think you're absolutely right. I think that's just that's just what's called like being like a, a having a healthy, balanced human perspective <laughs> on these things. Because you, I mean, you say that like, uh, you know, oh, I don't think it's a you know referendum on my right to exist as a human being. I don't think it's my whole identity. I think this it's a one book, and I'm going to absolutely do my best. I want to do a good job, but uh, if I don't, if it's not everything that i want it to be there's always the next one those are all like that is so engaged with the actual reality of the world that's just like proportionate and sensible but genuinely myself but also many authors i've talked to it does feel like the end of the world it does feel like a critical pivotal test and i just anyone listening i just say to you like what vanessa's saying is is that's the truth that's a sensible way of uh, looking at it is, you know, there's nothing flashy about it. That is just, that's just a healthy way of looking at it because it's correct. It's, you can move on to the next book. And even if you're writing, even if you're writing in, in print and you've got everyone and the whole world is sharpening its knives because you're some kind of like literary darling who's about to have their difficult second, uh, novel and you've got like a huge advance of your first one and everyone's going, what, what will the young wonder do next? Even if you you're in that situation, the fact is you can just have a shit second number and you can come back. You can come back from it. You what you can't come back from is not not writing at all ever. Like if you don't produce a book, then there's no. Come, so I think that is really, and I'm just underscoring what you're saying is like I'm co-signing it from the other side of that, and and it is something I'm working through and getting better at. But it's just a, it's just a tremendously healthy way, and it's just like productive. It's just like I'm going to turn up and I'm going to do it because you learn through doing. You get better by doing something, right? It's obvious. Yeah. Like you've just got to keep going. Um. So the final thing I wanted to ask is uh, what you've got coming up next, book what's wise. Now you're kind of out here in the world writing. Um. I just wonder what you what you've got coming up. Uh, well, I've my next book out is going to be called The Security Guy. It's a, one of my office aliens. It's about a woman named Anna. She's English. She's from a London PR company who gets sent to Detty in San Diego to negotiate a contract, uh, like a PR contract with them. 
and the first night there she gets taken to the or gets invited to the office Christmas party and uh, wakes up the next morning next to an alien uh, <laughs> with no memory of the night before. Neither of them can remember exactly what happened, but they can deduce what happened. And his in his culture, this means that he is now on a bound to stay with her in order to essentially protect their unborn child, even though she knows and he knows rationally, though he argues against it, um, that there's no way that it's been proven that there's no interbreeding between their species. But he he won't budge. So with Christmas coming up, she's going to stay with her brother. So it's kind of a mix of he has to pretend to be her boy. They have to pretend to be genuinely in love in order to justify to her family why this guy is there. She tries her damnedest to get rid of him before that deadline. And it also turns out that um, he gets assigned to be her bodyguard. Uh, for a brief period of time so there's that sort of level to it as well where they have to pretend to be bodyguards they have to pretend to be a, you know, a couple while secretly she is try- <laughs> essentially trying to prize him off her with a crowbar that level of I was I will come back to something you said earlier about do I ever have bad days I was before this one this I haven't published in a while and I'm probably might not there might be another month or two in it but I was, before this one, I was writing book five in my other series, the Gandry series, about a new couple called, um, uh, well, called Kroll and Naomi. Um, and that one, I had no idea. I, I realised I had no idea what I was doing. I found it boring and I stopped and started this one instead. And I've never done that before with a book I've never just been like I've always been able to push myself through it but this one I was like oh my god I can't so I know I'm gonna try and go back to that one once the security guy comes out because I've I think what I was doing wrong was I was putting too much emphasis on switching the point of view so it would be his chapter her chapter his chapter her chapter and I'm not gonna do that anymore I'm gonna just tell the story from whoever wants to tell it and not worry about that Sure. Alternating chapters. Like, because from like a, but you, and then it's something that you kind of, you stepped away from and you were able to go and work on something else. And then that has been, that, and that's been better and you found more traction yeah. with this story. And Yeah, this story has really come into its own, the security guy, in terms of dialogue. Like, their dialogue together is, is great, in my opinion. I love it. Because uh, well, they're it's always like Because both... it's, because a lot of the time you have to, your characters can't say what they really mean because just because of etiquette and politeness and in society you can't but these two are she is actively trying to get rid of him and actively trying to like be not as unpleasant but just as like unfiltered as possible so she is like she is genuinely like leave me alone like I don't like you and he's just (laughs) there like I don't care (laughs) I've got if um he just says you know He's like, I couldn't, I couldn't call myself a man if I didn't do this, and she's like tearing her hair out. So, wow. it's I, I, I love how, for all of the kind of uh, ter- extraterrestrial backdrop, there's like, there's so many elements of that the story and synopsis that are super relatable to lots of people. <laughs> I think it sounds fantastic. Um, okay, so I'll pop all the uh, all these links into the show notes, and I'll try and put into some stuff for you know like uh, the the Kindle. Uh, author landing page and things like that and even you know Goodreads I know you can find that by yourselves but I'll just pop those all in 
as well. But um, I'll put in links to all uh, VC Lancaster's books. So uh, please, if you uh, want to support her in her uh, new and exciting uh, life, then uh, but and have a great read at the same time, then you can go and uh, start one of the series and have a read for yourself. Is, is there any particular one that you would sort of recommend as a, a kind of like jumping off point? Or do you think people should just kind of like go through and see what grabs them? Well, Ruth Bonded has always, has been everyone else's favourite. Cool. Um, I want people to like the Office Alien series more than they do. That one is not selling so, as so well. So the so the ET guy is the, the ET first guy. one in, in that in that yeah. series. Awesome. <laughs> okay, we'll pop that one up the top. The ET guy by VC Lancaster. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I've had I've, I've learned a great deal. Um, you've been very uh, tolerant of uh, me and my uh, sort of shambling idiocy on this subject. But thank you so much for coming and uh, sharing your knowledge and all the best in oh. the future. It's really exciting and I think it's really inspiring. And I know that lots of people listening as well will feel inspired as well and uh, I, I can people are going to be uh, dashing out the fire escapes of their office of the hated temp jobs as we speak um thanks very much for listening uh i hope you have a lovely week uh i'm addressing people at home now uh not you, Vanessa. I'm sorry, it sounded weird to sort of say goodbye twice. But um, uh, thanks very much for listening to the show. Uh, of course, if you enjoy the show, then you can go on SoundCloud and uh, iTunes. Please leave a rating and please subscribe. And most of all, please share the show if you enjoy it. And thank you so, 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 so much for all of you who've gone on my coffee page and uh, dropped a few beans into the cup for uh, to help cover my... Uh, expanding hosting costs and uh, costs for hosting my website as well and thank you to all of you who've got in touch if you'd like to get in touch with me and uh, ask any questions about writing or request things uh, to do with future shows that you'd like to hear or give us some feedback on stuff you didn't enjoy so much then you can go on my website that's timclairpert.co.uk and if you go to the column on the right there's a contact me button click on that you can send me uh, an email, just let me know how you're getting on. I've had some lovely emails from you, especially one, somebody recorded me an entire episode and sent it sent it to me, which far from being creepy, was actually really sweet and uh, really touching. So thank you so, 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 so much. And it's lovely to hear how all of you are getting on with the Couch to 80K writing bootcamp as well. I'm so thrilled and proud of all of you. Okay, have a lovely week and I hope your writing goes well. Your writing goes well.